Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Mina Kahn Show featuring Lenny. That's a dog. Every Tuesday, Mina highlights the winners and losers for the weekend with Dominique Foxworth. Then later in the week, she's joined by different expert guests to look ahead to the next round. That's the Mina Kahn Show featuring Lenny. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you're getting this podcast. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is that time of week where we have a guest join us, and I've been trying to make this happen for over a year. Baton Rouge's own Marcus Spears. What's going on? What's up, Bo? Man, good to see you, bro. First of all, let's get this started off right. Is that the periodic table to your left? It is a periodic table of David Bowie. It is not the actual periodic ah. table. I do not have that level of dork. Uh, the way. Flex. I'm going <laughs> yes. through your background right now. I do this to everybody. Okay, I like it, man. What's up, dude? Hey, dude. first of all, thank you for having me, man. No, I'm so glad to have you on here, man. So much going on with the playoffs. So much going on in the NFL. And I tell you, the biggest reason why... I really wanted to have you on here. And this is the thing to me, right? Because I hit you up. I try to hit you up whenever I see somewhere. I'm like, oh, man, he's up there killing it. Because, one, <laughs> I appreciate when athletes get into our space and show the same respect for this craft that you show for your own. You know what I mean? Like, like I've worked with the bro. people who don't. So when I see the people who do, like, this job is not easy. And I think a lot no. of people think they can just float in here and get it. And it was very clear early that, no, you were not that. The other thing is, me is having all my people from Louisiana. Oh, you so familiar? And I mean that in the best way possible. Bad boy. Like, <laughs> like, bad rude, something different. Like, I tried to, expl- I tried to explain to somebody, like, kind of the dynamic, especially with a lot of cats in Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge can get a little rough, but because Southern, the black college, is such a big part of the culture, yeah. that it, it, it goes through all of black Baton Rouge in a way that I don't think that people can quite recognize. Like, everybody grew up around the corner from a college. Or, I mean, you went to high school at the college yet. Yes, sir. <laughs> but the, 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 the thing is, man, is that when you bring up Baton Rouge, all I relate Baton Rouge to is Southern University. And I know that sounds crazy because everybody know I went to LSU and played football there. But I grew up – my mom went to Southern. My dad went to Southern. I, 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 was, I was born and raised on the HBCU campus. So I got the best of, the, of both worlds. Like you mentioned, I went to high school at Southern University Lab School. It's when teachers graduate and they do kind of like they what you would call a residency for a nurse. They come teach at Southern University Lab School, laboratory school, um, and then, you know, become more certified or whatever that means. So I grew up with that experience. I was on the yard. I knew what on the yard was before the movie came out, Stump the Yard. Um so man, it just it just uh it's a culture ingrained in me. Like I, I I I don't know anything more about any other colleges. And I went to LSU for four years, but I know more about HBCU campuses. I know more about HBCUs than I know about Division One non HBCU colleges because I spent all my time there. And and like what you just brought up there, I think is a concept that people don't get because my parents worked at Prairie View when I was growing up. So that's why I was after school. That's why I yep. was at the summer in the summer. So like when you grow up around a black college, like as a kid, you you always there. Like always. it's not like it's over there and it's this thing <laughs> that you heard about, right? They got programs to keep us out of trouble. They keep us out of their hair all yeah, at the man. same time, right? Like you get you get that taste of it. Like I remember I met a young dude in Durham when he was like fifteen, and we had taken him to some college event, and I'll just never forget that he looked at us and said. I had never considered going to college until today because for him in the space that he was in, he wasn't going over to Central because that was in the other part of town, right? Yeah. Like that wasn't the place he was going. But when you grow up like around PV, around Southern, around those schools that like really dominate the town that they're in, everybody goes there, even if you no don't doubt. go there. No doubt. Bro, I, I'm telling you, when I think about my life like up until this point, my best times was on Southern University campus. Like, and, and I'm going to tell you both, I don't know if I ever told anybody this story. Southern University didn't recruit me. And this was before, you know, Prime or any other coaches coming back that were big time football players. The head coach at Southern University, her name was Pete Richardson. Legendary. And I love Pete Richardson. And I'm not saying I would have went, 
but I don't think they realized how heavily I would have weighed it as opposed to just them thinking, hey, man, he an All-American. We know he going to go to a big Division One school. He want to play on TV. I would have weighed it heavily, Bo, because honestly, by default, bro, that's all I knew. That's all I knew. Mm. Like, people, my sister went to LSU on a basketball scholarship, right? And that was my first <laughs> initiation to LSU. Bo, I lived five minutes away from LSU campus, and I didn't go on that campus until I was 15, bro. Like, and I knew about LSU football, but it wasn't like it is now. Like, and I think a lot of people don't realize, bro, and we, we, we aged, the LSU football wasn't no prominent play. You don't, when you were from Louisiana, you didn't go there. <laughs> like, right. That was, that was Travis Minor, Warwick Dunn, Ed Reed, Peyton Manning. Um, I don't, Marshall Falk. I don't think people realize the number of players that came out of Louisiana that didn't go to LSU. When you were a big-time football player in Baton Rouge or in Louisiana in general, you went to Florida. Peyton went to Tennessee. Eli went to Ole Miss, and we know those ties for them. But a lot of black kids, black youth, like dudes that really got good in football, Florida State and Miami was our dream because we saw Ed go there, and we saw Reggie Wayne go there, and we saw – like we knew that these dudes went there and had a lot of success. So Southern University, man, I would have heavily considered it. And half of my damn teammates from high school went there on scholarship. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't try, honestly, because you made an important point, and you and I have talked about this before, that the LSU class of 2001 did a lot to swing like the recruiting yeah, there. And it's like something Nick Saban did that is actually historical that I don't think people realize is black people in, in Louisiana wasn't really rocking with LSU like nope. that at all. Like Mac Brown did that at Texas, where he was yep. the first coach to really like be like, no, nah, we're just going to go get the dudes. How about that? Yeah. You know, and, and LSU was in that same space. So I was surprised they didn't try. But I tell you this, I kicked it at, LSU, at, at uh, Southern's Homecoming in the year 2000 and spent that all weekend and went to all the stuff for $20. Had a time of my life, boy, on glory, a dub. Glory, glory. Glory, glory. <laughs> it's the best time on earth. It is. It, it is. Because, you know, we are, we are Southern. My brother, the story he tells about Southern I'll never forget is that he came in one day and they said to him, Mr. Jones, it seems you only need 18 hours to graduate. And he said, cool, give me 12. <laughs> he was like, why would I be in a hurry to get out of here? Get out of here, dog. I'm going to do two at this mug, bro. <laughs> like, I, I tell you this, man. The fir My first experience, like, with real college was my senior year in high school. Like, I had been around Southern, but I didn't understand HBCUs. I ain't understand girls. None of that. Like, right? So, man, I went on. They used to have, um, I forgot what they called it, but it was a time in the school where all the fraternities and sororities would meet on the yard, like by the cafeteria. And Bo, I went out there for the first time, dog, and I would have committed, if, if it would have been a pen and paper, I would have committed right then to Southern University, man. The Deltas was out there. The AKAs was out there. The Thetas was out there. You had the Alphas and the uh, Qs and the Kappas out there. And it was just this big, beyond how beautiful the girls were, it was this, like, it was this, it was this big community that I was so familiar with. And I had enjoyed, like, my school, my high school was predominantly Black. We had one white kid from Germany who was an exchange student by the name of Christian Ossenkopf, who was the kicker on the football team, <laughs> right? And he he didn't want to leave Southern <laughs> University. So you know, you know how we felt about it. But man, I just um I just felt like I was so comfortable in that culture. And everything that I had known and had grew up with was about that. I went to get I went to Southern University games with my grandmother. She would always bring ball peanuts. Like, we'll sit in the stands, we'll watch the game. My high school coach was Eric Randall, who was a star quarterback in the in the SWAC. Yeah. Um, he was at Southern while Steve McNair was at Al Al Alcorn State. Right, and man, brother played just, at Virginia Tech, right? Brother, Yep, brother played at Virginia Tech. But, dude, I'm telling you, I'm glad you started this. Oh, it's bringing back so many memories. But, I bro, last, last story. When I got drafted, bro, I went and got me a Mercedes. The first place I wanted to go was drive on Sunday County. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled up. I pulled up. I was, I think I was 20 when I got drunk. I pulled up on campus and like all of my all of my peers were still there. 
Like everybody was still in college. Man, I pulled up in that S class boat. It's the greatest feeling I've had. <laughs> it's the best draft moment and NFL moment I've ever had when it comes to how you want to flex after you get some money, man. <laughs> Dog, man. I'm after I get to talking about sports. Otherwise, we'd be doing I this know, uh, I, all the I, way. I guess we'll go to your third love after uh, your family and yeah. Southern University, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, they put the hurt on those boys on mo- <laughs> on Monday night. Like that was one of those where yeah. as soon as it started, like after the Cowboys had that quick little drive early, once it got going, you were just like, "Oh, this is this is this is over." Yeah, man. They one they. The reason why everybody was nervous because Dallas didn't beat themselves. Like we we haven't been we haven't seen a game this year with Dallas not that that I can remember where they just got the doors blown off them. All of their games, even down this stretch of Tennessee and Jacksonville and um, super underperforming in Washington, it's all been self inflicted wounds. I know we point at Dak Prescott turnovers. But they weren't playing good around him either. Defense wasn't playing good. Skill position guys wasn't playing good. And last night, what you saw was, I think, a credit to to Mike McCarthy and his coaching staff. The ability to refocus, all the pressure mounted on him and Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, and for them to put up that performance. And both, like a lot of people, you know, we get excited and we build up, we build a scene to a game. Man, Dallas was so much better than Tampa Bay, like all year long. Well, I think, like, you talk about building a story. Tom Brady has been an incredible 45-year-old. Yeah. But he's 45. Like, he looked every day of 45 out there. And so, like, the irony to me about the idea, like, that Tom Brady is just a winner by definition. And obviously, he's won more than anybody else has. But the best player he was was actually during that nine-year stretch where they didn't win a Super Bowl. Right, but we got to tie individually. The, right, right. Like we got to yep. tie the stories around as you want. Like it's ironic that when Tom Brady hasn't been as good, his teams have done more winning because, duh, around him there tended to be a little bit more. But this year, when I watched them play, I think a it was kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers, where if you don't come kicking with these cats in the off season, you're trying to work that out on the fly. You're gonna go eight and nine, right? Yep. And, that, and that's yep. what wound up happening. But he looked old on Monday Bro. like that that looked like the idea of him wanting to come back they're like yo you don't want to go out on that note you'd rather go out on that note than go out like that five or six times in a season because that's what that's when we remember it bro it is we hate to see who people that we consider that we've never seen in the sport you know whether you deem Tom Brady to go or not which I think he's the greatest quarterback to play of all time and it has a lot to do with winning, not talent. Um, he's not the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. But when you win and you have the type of success, and we can look at those definitive moments that he's had, like the comeback against Alabama, the final drives in games when you had to come back and win games, um, NFC Championship game against Green Bay when you had to make a make a drive to get to the Super Bowl. Um, so, so you just have you have like his whole body of work is why people say he the goat. Would you you would take Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers before him any day? At any point in his career, you would take those guys before him. Now, I don't know cerebral, maybe, you know, but when you look at the position, most of the time you're trying to get crazy arm talent. You're trying to get a guy that can go above the X's and O's. And I've always thought, beyond anything, Tom Brady has operated within the X's and O's better than any quarterback I've ever seen. Outside of Peyton, probably. Just X's and O's. Look, this the play. I know the defense. I'm going here with the ball. I'm 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 two steps ahead of you. I already know that this is gonna be open. I think they've been the best at that. But let's get beyond that. Last night, bro, all I kept thinking was, man, go home before you get your self hurt. That's all I was thinking. This man was so afraid to get hit. He threw an interception in the red zone. Both people paying attention to the interception. Tom Brady threw the ball and turned his back. Like, what? And then he got another one with Lake Vanderesh coming up the middle. He throws it in the dirt. Like, bro, don't go out like this, right? Like, you're going to go out with a lasting impression of what we saw, but we'll forget about that because we're going to do the documentaries. You know, ESPN going to have a 48-hour special on him, 
And we're going to talk about all of the great things that he did, all of the great moments. People are going to remember Tom Brady that way regardless. But now you out here playing with your health, dog. Now you out here, you out here looking like somebody that's just stealing money as opposed to playing at a high level when it comes to when you're under pressure. And guess what, Bo? Because everybody talking about the right situation. Bro, you're going to be under pressure in the NFL. It, yeah. it, it's over. Michael Parsons is going to pressure you. I don't care how good your offensive line is. Nick Bosa is going to pressure you. Aaron Donald is going to pressure you. Chris Jones is going to pressure you. Max Crosby is going to pressure you. Devin White and Levante David are going to pressure you. You can go get the best O-line, the best O-line in the world, and you are still going to get hit playing this game. So I just, a, a little bit of me, and it's hard for me to have sensitivity with that bull he pulled in the game, <laughs> But a little bit of me is like, bro, don't don't wheel yourself out on a wheelchair leaving the NFL. But that's his thing. He like, I ain't going out on that wheelchair. I'm gonna throw that ball yeah. in the dirt. He out there like the police. I'm just trying to make it, I'm just trying to come home to my family at and the now, end of the and night. Now you, and now and now in that particular situation, you got 52 other guys that you just wanna you want them to watch you play football. Yeah. Nah. No, no, no. He's definitely on that kick of like, if he was the police, it'd be dead people on the street. Because he's just Everyone. like, yo, I'm, I'm just coming home. I got to make sure I get back, man. Like, no, no, no. He looked at me funny. Like, bang, Bro. bang. He was getting that ball out of there. And, so, and, and he's he's been doing that for a while. It's but been all it, season. But it looked extra stark in that right. moment. And that's where I'm just like, it's kind of how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, where I understand if you don't want to do all this offseason stuff, but if you're not playing to win, I don't know why you're playing. Bro, at they, at they age... Like, that's uh, Dan Orlowski, who we do NFL Live, we made that point today. Like, and RC, I believe. If you coming back, you what you coming back for? Just to play? Like, you coming back to win a Super Bowl. And you got a 1 in 32 chance to do that. And you not at your best when you've been more of the reason why your teams have had a tremendous amount of success. I just, and there's so many variables. Like, you could start the season off with the best O-line. as Joe Burrow. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can start off with everything in place, and then your receiver go out for the rest of the year. Or you lose your running back. Or you, or your defense is not as good as people thought they were going to be. I.e., I am painting the picture of what Tampa was this year. Mm -hmm. Like, so you got all of them moving parts when you make a decision to come back, when you need all of that, because we see the fear in you when you don't have that. And they keep talking, bro, go home, bro. <laughs> go home. Figure out something else to do. I know. I know it's Tom Brady. I know it's the go. People get mad when I man go. I'll take your ass home, man. You I scared you. to get hit and you play football. Those two things don't align. Let me tell you this too. If he if he going home, Ty Bowles might want to follow him because they gonna be terrible. Like right. this is like they they rolled this as high as it could be, right? They won a championship. They kind of had a chance in twenty twenty one, and now that's over. And I don't know how exactly they go about rebuilding that because I don't think Kyle. Tr I mean, I will be very surprised if they go to Kyle Trask say next year, and then all of a sudden yeah. I look up. It would be a, it would have to be a different Kyle Trask than I saw at Florida, who was a very good college player. But I can't 100%. imagine like being an NFL player. Yeah, we're know? not gonna make any projections on Kyle Trask. We're not gonna do that on your show today, Bo. Bo, they gonna be trash, okay? They gotta rebuild. They gotta figure out what they gonna do at the quarterback spot. We know how important that position is. And also, like, you also gotta figure out what path forward you wanna have as an offense, right? Because right now, all of this was Tom Brady driven. Everything you did was Tom Brady driven. Big physical receivers. Chris Godwin could work the slide. You went and traded for uh, Leonard Fournette out of Jacksonville because you need a running back and a physical running game. All of that stuff, you got to figure out what to do with all of those guys. And might I add, Bo, it ain't a lot of spring chickens on that team. No. So, bro, it – okay, Brady should go home. Now, I want to talk about the Cowboys because I noticed something interesting today when I was just looking at the teams that are in it. Of the quarterbacks that are left, Dak Prescott is the elder statesman. Like, this is a postseason that is the complete change of the guard. And it's been wild watching the way that people have talked about Dak this year. Because you and I would text about this when people were really asking the question about whether or not you should stick with Cooper Rush. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me, right? But then Dak would have games where he looked like he was playing worse than Cooper Rush. But when he balls, they're as good as anybody else. It's just that when he's bad... He is bad, yeah. but 
this year, especially if Jalen Hurts is hurt in Philadelphia and not going to be able to really play, this feels like the chance, like really feels like the chance for the Cowboys. It's about this week coming up, Bo, because we've seen San Francisco without a quarterback that takes you over the exit, and you see my face. Because mm-hmm. every time somebody say Jimmy Garoppolo led the 49ers, I throw up in my mouth. <laughs> you see, this, okay? is, this, is, this, is why, this is why we're here. <laughs> Bro, so San Francisco is the challenge because of their style. They give all teams problems, right? And Dallas obviously didn't what, – what is their Achilles heel didn't happen because Tampa is not good at running the football. Oh, but the San Francisco 49ers are, okay? And I like Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is a good football player. Bo, there are plays when me and you could quarterback the San Francisco 49 <laughs> Not all of them, but there are some where we can quarterback, right? Raise up and throw the ball two yards to Christian McCaffrey, he goes 60. All right? Throw a slant to Debo Samuel, he break 30 tackles, and he can score a touchdown. All right? Throw the ball to George Kittle when the closest person to him is the people sitting in the first row of the stands. All right? <laughs> all of this is true. It's on tape, Right? But when you see the kid and he scrambles and he extends plays, that's the extra element that you didn't have with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I give him credit for that. And being able to manage, bro, this hard. You can't just – like, just walking into being a starter in the NFL is difficult. Like, I don't want to take that away from him. But if there was ever a place for you to be good at quarterback and for you to lie to the general public about how good you really are at quarterback, it would be the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> with Kyle Shanahan and his play calling. Bo, let me let me remind all our listeners right now. These people played in San Francisco against Green Bay. Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes and they won the game against Aaron Rodgers. By a by a lot. Bo, <laughs> so so I'm not gonna sit here and act like the San Francisco 49ers are supposed to be easy because Brock Purdy is the quarterback. Now you win this game, and you play at a very high level if you're Dak Prescott because you have to in order to win this game. And you get to the Philadelphia Eagles or the Giants, you could do work. It's a, it's, it, it is literally a toss-up at that point. The San Francisco 49ers is the thing that you're staring in the face. And we all remember what happened last year. And might I add, last year, San Francisco dominated time of possession, but it wasn't a blowout. Remember, they were going down the field to try to tie the game. And they couldn't get a playoff in 13 seconds. Right. Remember that? So it wasn't like last year the San Francisco 49ers just absolutely destroyed them as far as having a chance to win the game. Now, they they possessed the ball. The offense didn't play well, all of that, which is fine. But, dog, I'm telling you right now, if that, if that level, which is going to be particularly harder with this defense in San Francisco, but if Dak is seeing the game like he saw it against Tampa Bay, and Kellen Moore is as good as he was, they legitimately have a chance. They went into halftime with Seattle down on one point. And then the rush happened. And that's what you got to avoid. San Francisco is like this, okay? Muhammad Ali had a plan against George Foreman, the rope dope okay? And the rope dope works if you don't get your chin knocked off your face, <laughs> all right? And George Foreman was never able to knock Muhammad Ali Chan off his face. It was body blows. He was able to block. He was able to duck and dodge. And then when the time came for him to strike, he was able to put them combos together and knock George Foreman out. The problem you have with San Francisco is, can you survive the death blow? Because it's coming. Nick Bosa going to sack your quarterback in a critical third down. They going to hit somebody and the ball going to come out. Or they might get to Dak and he might throw an interception. Can you survive the death blow? Seattle game, they played a clean football game the entire first half. No penalties, no turnovers. Second half, we saw the false start. We saw the sack fumble of Geno. And then we looked up and it was 41-17 to 17 in the blink of an eye. You know why? Because George Foreman caught him on the chin. <laughs> and I don't care if you Ali. I don't care if you I don't care if you some of these UFC people. When George Foreman was swinging that right hook and he caught you in the chin, you was going to sleep if you weren't more of a man. So that's what this game is in the analogy for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, like I think San Francisco, one, Shanahan can get a little wonky. Like when it's rolling on the play call, it's rolling. But we also saw that man blow that Super Bowl 28-3, and that was his fault, right? Like there was yep. no way around that. I mean, even in these last couple of postseasons, he gets a little weird on the play calling. But his ability to build rosters and staffs – 
is what is mind-blowing to me. Like, we got to realize this. He's the dude with the coldest white dudes in the league on the field and the coldest black dudes in the league and Lebanese cats as coaches. Like, you really ever think about that, right? Like, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Bosa, like, those are legitimate Hall of Fame caliber dudes, and ain't it ain't none of this like hard hat. Shit. Like that ain't what we talk about here. These dudes are cold, and then he's got had Mike McDaniel, D'Amico Ryan's, Robert Sala. He's just out here like, hey man, we be getting it done, however it is Bro. to get done. Like t- top to bottom, let's think about this. Just like jump off the screen, cold dudes that they got. All right, so we mentioned those three. Um. We ain't even, like, like, we talk about Bosa, we got Debo, right? We got Eric Armstead, Fred Trent Warner. Trent Williams. Right, Trent Williams, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Bro, it, it is, I did an analogy on Sports Center a couple weeks ago. If you're a quarterback, lay a mattress and a pillow down <laughs> and just don't roll off the bed and bump your head, and you will be so well taken care of, and things will be so clear for you. Dude, it, it is Brandon Ayuk. All right. Brandon Ayuk has come on for the San Francisco 49ers because Brandon Ayuk has is never not one on one. Like most receivers in the NFL, if they get one on one coverage for four quarters in a football game, they're going to catch a couple passes. Bo, guess who getting one on one coverage for four quarters in a football game? <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, bro. All right. they, we did a talk today on NFL Live, bro, about the 21 personnel when you got really 21 personnel in a nutshell, is mostly running formations. Two running backs, one tight end. Yeah, two running backs, one tight end. They throw the ball like they in empty. Like they they in shotgun with Debo in the backfield sometimes. Sometimes it's Christian McCaffrey. Sometimes it's Yushek. Sometimes it's George Kittle. And you on defense trying to figure out what the hell about to happen to me. And the next thing you know, George Kittle is in the open field and a little 200-pound cornerback got to try to tap. That's what happens, bro. So it's not it's not to take credit away from Brock Purdy. It's absolutely what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan and how they built rosters. And to your point on defense, bro, Greenlaw and Fred Warner, those linebackers, problems. The only weakness that you could point to at times, and this is not all the time, is the secondary. The problem is you don't have time. <laughs> like, bro, it's so – to your point, they build it right, and they got the right players, man. They let DeForest Buckner walk. They're like, nah, it's cool. We'll just, we'll just draft another one. Don't worry. We're going to get another one right now. Bro, we're so, going to draft Javon Kinlaw. He looked just like you. He's going to do the same things you do. Dude, and we got Armstead, who also looks just like you and went to college with you, and y'all Bro, was out here they, basically wearing the same number. I have said the wrong name 50 times <laughs> because I think Armstead is DeForest Buckner. Okay, they, they they have a way, they have a way that they want their team to look. They have a way that they want to play, and they stick to it, and they give everybody problems, dude. It ain't it ain't no coincidence that these dudes are are always around the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl. Like they got a formula, right? Like we saw the formula with Belichick and the Patriots, right? Big fit, Will Fork, Richard Seymour. You had um, Willie McGinnis on the other side. You had you had the the, the linebackers and Brewski, and then they then they continued to build on that on, on the back end. You had all of them do Ty Law. You had um what's what's my man name that worked for I think CBS or NBC. Sorry, Her- Rodney oh, Harrison. Yeah, Rodney Harrison. Like you you had you had an image in which you built this team, right? Fortunately enough, on the other side, because I tell people that all the time, bro. Tom Brady is so beneficial of, of, of surroundings. But the, the difference in Tom is when you needed that for it to be about the quarterback, he was able to deliver. But, dude, this team is built and constructed for this time of the year. That's why we always see the San Francisco 49 They be like four and six. <laughs> and then they end the year at, at 12, and, 12 and six or 11 and six, and they done won 10 in a row like this year. Last year. Everybody, you remember, but we were sitting here before this Cowboy game. Everybody was like, oh, Lord, the damn 49ers about to get in the playoff. That's the scariest team you don't want to play. And God, God forbid, that's who we ran up on first. So hopefully we got some experience with knowing how physical this thing going to be and how good they are. See, this is the thing I give Purdy, though, is he thinks he can do it. 
And that's important because just because oh, the yeah. dudes is walking butt naked open don't mean you can get it to him. We've seen Shanahan with some duds, right? The CJ Beathers, the Nick Mullins. Like, it's not like the Brian Hoyer. It's not like anybody who gets in there can do it. Yeah. This cat is actually doing it. And I saw a press conference with it, and I was like, oh, okay. He's a guy that thinks he's better than he is. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you this. And I think uh, I think I heard Lou Riddick say this and a couple other people because I like to give people credit when they say something. And I don't be I don't be saying it first. I'll be mad I didn't think about it first. <laughs> he played four years in college. So football is not new to him. And that matters, bro. Like we talk about experience, but we don't attribute it to guys that's coming out of college when they not high draft picks. It's just like Tom. Tom played a lot at Michigan. Even though he was picked late and he didn't, you know, he wasn't he played a lot. He had experience. So at least those guys know how to go about a game week. They know how to prepare. They know how to get ready to execute a game plan. It's different, man. That's why we used to put so much emphasis on Trey Lance not playing so much football, right? So I I think Brock Purdy is in a great situation. I think he's maximizing that situation. But he also has a level of experience that most young guys don't have, and that's four years of college. Hey, let me ask you this, man. How Brandon Staley still got a job? Man, listen. Cause hey, hey, Bo, when they about to come get you, you gotta blame somebody. He 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 like first forty eight. <laughs> Brandon Staley, when they when they called him in that office, that man was on first forty eight. He was like, man, look, Joel bought it, man. <laughs> hey, that's who you hey, need to be looking at. That's who you need to be talking to. You'll be talking to me, man. I had this team down twenty seven nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I I have I got mixed emotions, right? I think Brandon Staley is solid. I don't think he's a great coach. I think we deem these coaches really good too early, by the way. Like, how in the hell are you not going to be a good defense coordinator with Aaron Down and Jalen Ramsey in their prime playing out their mind? Right. How are you not going to be a, how are you not going to be thought of as one of the young hot DCs, right? <laughs> like, I give D'Amico Ryan's a lot of credit because he didn't let San Francisco fall off. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. different philosophy. He got great players, but he didn't let them fall off. And you see at times his, his adjustments – and I think Brandon Staley is a really good defensive mind. Like, he had Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson in a spin cycle in that first half. And so I think when you focus on what, as the Los Angeles Chargers, what do we need to do in the immediate that we think is going to make us better? We need a better offensive scheme. We got a guy that we know is a really good quarterback. Let's get rid of our offensive staff and see if that change is the difference. And then we'll find out about Brandon Staley because you know what's happening next. If they don't have success, oh yeah, okay. Well, and then if Sean Payton say I want to coach there, he might be gone anyway. No, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if Sean Payton says that, then this is a no-brainer of a yeah. decision, right? Like, what got me about Staley and really had me like, oh, this ain't it, was Joey Bosa out there losing his mind. And he's in proximity to Joey Bosa losing his mind to the point that it hurts your team. And they give Joey Bosa his helmet back, and he keep on losing his mind. Like, I look at that, and you, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't, it, makes me, it makes me question how these cats look at you. How they look at you. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Because it made us question how, how uh, Kyle looked at Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a real thing. Like, and, and then, too, as a coach, if you can't run up on Joy Bosa and be like, hey, man, control yourself. You know what I'm saying? Take a beat. You can do it respectfully. Because I've seen Sean McVay go talk to Aaron Donald when Aaron Donald was having a moment in certain situations. I, I don't know, bro. I, I don't. The one thing I think about Brandon Staley um, that rubs me the wrong way, I think dude is one of them dudes where I, he like the smartest person in the room and he think that. Mm-hmm. And I saw Rex say that. And I don't want to cast any aspersions on Brandon Staley. Like he, he operates that way. But when you hear him talk and you hear some of the res- responses, it almost seems snide. Like instead of getting up there and saying, you know what, man, as we, we failed this team as coaches, right? Like we were up 27 nothing. I'm the defensive coach. We're supposed to keep that lead. And offensively, we're supposed to do some things and help those guys be able to get more, more than three points in the second half. But it was all about when well, we couldn't move the football and, you know, um, defensively, we should have did some things better. We had guys that were hurt, guys out of position. I'm like, bro. No, y'all just, just lost. You just lost. And it was poor coaching. That lost it. The players didn't change at halftime. 
Like they ain't lose they this wasn't damn space jam. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't lose their power. You guys didn't put these dudes in a position to succeed. And as the head coach, you have an ultimate responsibility. But I get it because Justin Herbert and this offense always scored three points. We've seen them struggle um a lot this season. And I think they gave Brandon Staley a little bit of credit for it. They did suffer a lot of injuries and still were able to get in the playoffs. And they yeah. did get better on defense. So he was like first 48. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, look, man, I know you guys got me in this interrogation room. But give me some McDonald's and I'm going to tell you it's Joe Lombard. <laughs> Now, that game was interesting because I came away from it unimpressed by everybody. Like, I didn't come out of that game feeling great about Jacksonville. Though, the de- I guess I felt okay about the defense because they, they yeah. held it together in the second half and it wasn't really but so much on them what happened in the first half. And Trevor Lawrence, I feel like Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of those cases where a lot of people are going to have to bring themselves to terms maybe with just what he becomes, which is a very good quarterback. But yeah. I don't think the generational prospect we thought we were going to see. Right. No. Like, it's he's maybe more talented than Joe Burrow, but it's possible that he is the least talented of the four that's left in the AFC, and that's not an insult. No, not an insult at all. And I'm taking Joe Burrow every day and twice on Sunday before I take Trevor Lawrence. Um, and, and he has all the talent in the world. And, look, we can give him credit for what he did in the second half. I think the most impressive thing about Jacksonville in that game was Doug Peterson, bro. He didn't, he didn't allow the team to blink. He stayed aggressive. Every pass after – I mean, every play after Trevor Lawrence threw an interception was a pass again, right? That's a coach saying, hey, man, I know you can do this. I'm going to get you in rhythm. I'm going to help you. We saw Doug Peterson lead the team with Nick Foles to the Super Bowl. Nick Foles couldn't stay on the field more than two quarters after he left Philadelphia. So Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit. That was impressive. But that's, that's the dynamic of difference that we were talking about with Brandon Staley and that staff. And what Doug Peterson went in and did and, did and adjusted and was able to go come come back and win that game, you know. Yep. Now they get to go play against Jordan. Oh God, <laughs> your prize is Patrick Mahomes. Yo, like, and you as somebody with a far more sophisticated eye than I have, and I always love talking to defensive players about quarterbacks because, like, defensive yeah. players are all over Josh Allen even when he was messing up all the time because it's just like, yo, that boy is a handful. But dude, this Mahomes thing. It is really wild that we have gotten to a point of taking for granted what is literally something like we've never seen before. Like, if they win this, is this, what, five straight years in a conference championship game? Five, bro. Five. Like, Bo, let me tell you something, Bo. I made it a point this year for us not to get fatigued with what Patrick Mahomes is doing, bro. Like, everybody – and look, you know we in a generation now, especially with us being immediate, we want the new one soon. We don't want any longevity anymore. We don't we want we don't want anybody. We almost like the parents we get mad at. We want somebody else to get the prize when we know the other player is better. Right? And Patrick Mahomes with a new offense. <laughs> this is crazy. A new this man has thrown 50 touchdowns. Right. We just, <laughs> and we just here, yards. And we just sitting here like, oh, well, Jalen Hurst should get the MVP. What? <laughs> what? Like, bro, I'm I'm so I'm so I you gotta catch yourself sometimes because Pat will do things and we'll be like, oh, that's Pat doing this thing. You know, bro, can't nobody else do that. <laughs> like, can't nobody else do it. And not only that, bro, none of these receivers are number ones on other teams. No. They not none. number ones on their own team. On their on their own team, dog. They this man has and goes back to Aaron Rodgers decided not to spend time in the offseason with his new receivers, right? Tom Brady was going through what he was going through, even though he had rapport with his receivers. But usually in all season, Tom will show up and he'll get he'll build with those guys. Man, Mahomes does it all right, bro. He does it all right, right? Like the other thing is too, like everybody knows Travis Kelsey gonna get the ball. They can't stop it. You know why? Because Mahomes is not gonna allow you to. Now, we can give credit to Andy Reid, and we can give credit to um, Eric Bieniemy. Andy Reid ain't win no Super Bowls before Patrick Mahomes came. He went to one with McNabb. And had a cold beast. <laughs> with T.O. 
Yo, I like I feel like, and you can speak to this, that people have forgotten that when Donovan McNabb was on it, Donovan McNabb was on it. Man, I was playing in Dallas. Bro, Donovan McNabb was a top five quarterback when they were making that run. Like, people are tripping, bro, because, bro, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is the best football player in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes is the most valuable player in the NFL for his team. The only other person that I would argue if I had to, which I'm not going to do it, is Lamar Jackson. And it's not because Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes. It's because Lamar Jackson's team would absolutely suck if he wasn't yes. a quarterback. And they go to the playoffs every year, and they have a chance to win in any game they play in because of him. But, dude, Pat, you just trying to – you hoping when you play against him. <laughs> and I know people talk about where Cincinnati went out and they beat them three. Bro, great. That's phenomenal for Cincinnati. Ask Cincinnati if they want to play him again. <laughs> Not truthfully. They're going to say yeah. But don't nobody want to play that dude. You don't want to have to play Patrick Mahomes to advance to the next round. And Lord have mercy. Both these people coming off a bye. <laughs> dude, they covered off a bye. And the wildest thing about Mahomes now He's becoming the old man at the, the club. Like we were just like just talk about this. You look at the quarterbacks that are in it. Dak Prescott was drafted in 2016. Mahomes was drafted in 2017. Those are the two the guys that have been in the league the longest of the quarterbacks who are left because there's this weird literal like 10 year gap in the NFL yep. where college we just didn't produce quarterbacks, nope. right? Like, like you really, you go back, you look through the drafts, you look through all the years, and it wasn't happening. Like, Andrew Luck, okay, but he ain't here no more, so it don't really matter. No. You just had this whole gap. And so Mahomes, in his late 20s, is the old dude and the young dude at the same Cause time. Because, Bo, Bo, he be at the club so much. <laughs> we just talked about how many championship games he does. He is always at the club, Bo. Like, you could be 25, and it could be the place you should be, but you go every Friday. <laughs> so everybody know you. Bo, you know, when I was playing in the league, bro, the worst thing you could become as a player is a person that everybody knew your name when they came to the club. Oh, mm. Marcus Hill. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy. That's who Pat is in the NFL. Like, and when he decides to buy the bar, you ain't getting no drink. You ain't got ain't nothing left. Right, so I'm just, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm enamored, and I hate the way that we want to move on to the next one, bro. Because, man, if, if, if Trevor Lawrence threw fifty touchdowns, or if Dak Prescott threw fifty touchdowns, they'd be MVP runaway. But because this Pat, how the, how the hell do you expect somebody? They expect the man to throw fifty touchdowns. <laughs> That's the reason why we ain't saying he didn't. you to throw for 5,500 yards at 50 touchdowns. You got to do something else to be the MVP. What? Dude, let, let, me, let me hit you with a terrifying thought. And this is the thing that the guy I'm about to mention skates all. People who listen to this show know I say it, but it's still worth noting. The 49ers could have taken Patrick Mahomes in 2017 and instead they took Solomon Thomas. Can you imagine if they had Patrick Mahomes there. honestly he would have to go somewhere else because it would be too easy how many years he been in the league this is year seven seven they'll be on Super Bowl number five <laughs> no six year six year six they'll be on they'll, they'll be on Super Bowl number five because <laughs> we would we, we just would have had to get things right that rookie year <laughs> that rookie year, we was just had to figure out what we could do. Him and Kyle Shanahan? What? Bro, the man went in with Mark, Mark, Marquez Valdez Scanlon. Yes. Juju Smith-Schuster. Okay? He got um, – they went and got Kadarius Tony. And you Kadarius had to look Tony it up because you can't football. remember their names. That, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Kadarius Tony did not want to play football. And he <laughs> got with Mahomes. Now you want to play football. That's how good he is. Like that's a real thing, but money. I know we've been. I know we laugh. The man did not want to play football for the New York Giants anymore. He got to Kansas City, and he looked like the best slot receiver in the NFL. Bro, it is. He's rare. He's he's the rarest talent we've ever seen in the NFL. Talent, 
it's been dudes that throw hard. It's been dudes that that can run. It's been dudes that can um, that that can give you those moments in crunch time. Patrick Mahomes is all of those things. And know what else he is, Bo? He always are like around the Super Bowl. <laughs> yep. Yo, he kind of reminds me of Zion in this sense, where you remember when Zion got to Duke, he wasn't supposed to be the guy. R.J. Barrett was RJ supposed Barrett. to be the guy, right? Yep. And then after it was done, like I wasn't even being snide because people pick on the recruiting analysts a lot for this, but they got a real hard job, right? Trying to guess what a teenager going to be. That's tricky. But I'm like, but for real though, how 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 do how do we not see? The, and that's the way I feel about Mahomes. Like Mahomes took that year red shirting basically with the Chiefs, yep. and then immediately was that dude when he got out here. And I just need to understand. Like it's not like it was just one person who didn't see it. How in the world did like was he Jordan hiding in our faces? I don't care if he went to Texas Tech or not. I don't understand how. Well, Bo, it's because the, these 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 suckers so smart. All right. It's the same reason that you would draft Baker Mayfield number one. Right. Well, we know damn well Baker Mayfield ain't no number one overall draft. All right. Baker Mayfield, the first round draft pick based on his college resume. Number one overall. Man, come on, man. Like, and then Pat Mahomes, he he suffered a little bit because of the narrative of Texas Tech quarterbacks, right? High statistically playing this open offense where you're throwing the ball 50 times a game, up-tempo fast, all these dudes put up numbers. Hell, Cliff Kingsbury put up numbers there, right. right? But I think what they missed was the hidden things. Like, because when you study these guys, you're supposed to know work ethic. You're supposed to know how fast and how they can pick up. And if you ever hear Andy Reid interviews about Pat, he the first thing he tells you is how smart he is as a football player. So you couple that with the history of playing multiple sports, which I think is very important. Most of the quarterbacks that are really good, they play more than football. Um, and then two, he walked into a situation, right, in Kansas City where I don't think Alex Smith get, gets enough credit. Alex Smith, a true pro, bro. Like, it's so important. I had Greg Ellis and Leroy Glover. It's so important for you to see how pros operate, like, day-to-day. How do you prepare? How do you get ready for a game? What's your game week look like? How do you take care of your body? And it creates longevity, but it also cuts the learning curve in half. Because you don't want to be – you you don't want everything going 100 miles an hour all the time. So he was in a room with Alex where you could, who was a high, number one overall draft pick. Bro, how do I how do I not only condense, but how do I make this stuff slow down? Yeah. And Alex was not trying to uh fight the inevitable because he'd yeah. been he he'd been here before already. He yep. was just like, oh, okay, so I got another year. Right. Yep. Gotcha. Thanks, thanks for letting well. me know. <laughs> yep. Made a lot of money, played well. And you know, he a colleague here, bro, and I'm not trying to embellish him embellish him, but when you hear Pat talk about watching him. And how he went about his business, it helped him in that part. Um, but dude, the dude talent is is crazy. And 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 this too, both, and you know this because we relate this a lot to basketball. And this is why I think for me, LeBron is my goal. You just see it before it happens. He sees everything before it happens, bro. Like it's when he's playing football, it is going so slow, much slower than everybody else. And you could actually see that happening in games. Like when, when, when teams are rushing Patrick Mahomes, he'll take two steps to the left and stand there for another two seconds and then throw the ball to, for a touchdown. Or he'll manipulate defenses by ifing like he going to run. It's going slow at that point, bro. Um, so I, it just we, – we just try to – we try to get rid of him so fast. Bro, enjoy it. Like he the most valuable player in the NFL. <laughs> now I, I'm gonna wrap this on this about Mahomes, and I've said this before, but I still I just can't say this enough. That Super Bowl was the most incredible performance I've ever seen from a dude that was out there getting his ass kicked. Like when he threw that one pass, like Neo falling in out of bounds, and it went through. Him. Like yeah, and he just didn't catch it, but it was not because the pass wasn't there. I, the entire game, I'm watching this, and they are losing. And they are going to lose. It is not even close. Like I tell people, when they put the, you know, they put the players on the screen, and I looked up and saw the name Mike Remmers, I was like, oh, I picked the wrong team. Oh, I've seen, I've seen this Super Bowl before. <laughs> um, 
But when he like he was doing stuff that I was just like, how do people like people have to understand that this is maybe the best like to be the two best football players of all time are Jim Brown and Jerry Rice. Like you can work yep. everything else out after that. This yep. is the dude that's in that area. If he doesn't play another game, like he's a Hall of Famer right now. Nothing else matters. He's a Hall I of agree. Famer right now. I agree, bro. I, I just, I just. <laughs> When they went to that Super Bowl, Pat was what in this third year, second or third year, right? Third One year. And I said, this dude after this game will be in the conversation for the greatest quarterback of all time. And people was like, You stupid. All right. Because at that time, they thought I was doing what we said about Pat. They thought I was doing looking for the next one. Bo, I'd have played a lot of football, dog. I'd have been on a lot of football fields. I've been on the field with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is hard. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best players I've ever seen play football in person. Y'all came in the field. same year, right? Yeah. I've been on the field with Tom Brady. Tom, I've been on the field with Peyton Manning. Um, I've been on the field with Donovan McNabb. Bro, I'm telling you right now, ain't none of them him. Ain't none of them him, bro. And I'm t- I, if I played defense, I would actually be scared to play Patrick Mahomes. Like, and that ain't that's that's out of respect. Now I go out there and try to bust his head and play as hard as I could play, bro. He's the most terrifying dude at the position that I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Because you never have a beat on him. I'll ask you this, and, and I know you want to close. For every quarterback that we've ever seen, maybe outside of Aaron Rodgers, how you stop it? No, that's like what's he not good at, right? <laughs> like, like, like the thing as you were talking about that. Even if you don't think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, you put together your list of greatest quarterbacks of all time. You not taking a single one of them Before over him. him, right? Like part no. of my thing with some of the push with Josh Allen, which I mean, I'm transparent about this. Them cold white quarterbacks was looking scarce there for a little while, and there was a push they to have. The final one like to have Larry Bird and he turned out to be as cold as they was lying and saying he was early. Right. Like he got there and he is that dude. And I'm not taking him over Patrick Mahomes. And I watched Josh Allen and I'm like, man, I don't know what in the world you're supposed to do with him, but I feel like there's more answers to that than there are to Patrick Mahomes. And that's crazy. Josh is special. Okay. Like Josh and Pat Mahomes right now and, and probably Burrow are the guys that you would say, give us, give us them. And we're going to be, we're going to beat them dudes, right? Lamar is in that category, but Lamar is a different way you got to do it. Right. Dude, they ain't Pat. <laughs> <laughs> like, they not him. Timothy Johnson the third is AKA Patrick Mahomes. He's <laughs> All right, bro. And, and I don't, I don't like having the conversation in basketball because yeah, Yoke is the one, the MVP. You ain't gonna take him for Brown. I would now. No, you wouldn't. Today, today, not, so, not based on what your team looked like. No, to you play wouldn't. to play today. Both. Like I'm talking. I'm not talking about taking today's Jokic versus like 2011 Bron. Oh, I'm talking okay. about today's yeah, Jokic. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I was about to say. I was about to say. Oh boy, we're going too no, far no. here. But no, no, no that. You, the, that? But I, or in a similar fashion, as high as I am on Jokic, give me Giannis. Yeah. Today. Today. Yeah. yeah today, Yadis, today, Jokic. And I love Jokic. But nah, nah, nah. Give me give me that other one over there. Yeah. Cause on the defensive end, he a difference maker too. Right. They only made one of those. Like they ain't making no whole lot of Jokic's. I want to be clear, but with Mahomes, no. it, it's like Jokic is like they only made one of those because he has a very unique skill set. Mahomes <laughs> is like they only made one of those because the sliders are turned all the way they up. The way 99 up. at everything. Patrick Mahomes is Giannis Antetokounmpo with a jump shot. Yes. No answer. What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Is the dude that's getting beat on the alley-oop is still getting back to block it before you can get your hand on it. Like, what? Like, I'm trying to imagine like, what like I would imagine, do. Imagine if, imagine if Jokic was Dwight Howard's athleticism with Jokic game. Yes. That's Nothing what we got. Yeah. That's what we got. <laughs> like, like, I'm just trying to imagine being the defensive coordinator in there. 
and you're supposed to just be like, okay, so what am I doing now? Like, uh, the late great Steve White told a story. He worked on the staff at South Florida, and they played a bowl game against NC State when Mario Williams was in school. Oh, yeah. And he said he sat there and he watched that Mario film. And the thing about Mario was Mario put up big sack numbers against bad teams but didn't have the yep. numbers. And you know how that goes with defensive linemen and yep. how they get evaluated. Yep. Man, Steve told me, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. He said he watched that Mario Williams film and just looked at the offensive coaches and said, so what are y'all going to do with that joker? And laughed and walked out of the room because there wasn't nothing. And that's Mario Williams. Like, what are you supposed to do when you look up and you see Mahomes? Like, the answer is cheat. What are we oh, going to do? Hit them late. That's what we're so we going to do. Yeah, yeah. So we have all of these. Uh, we have, you know, every once in a while, I get a chance to talk to, like, offensive coordinators or, you know, guys that's trying to put plans together for, for certain players. And – I asked this one. I asked this one OC. I ain't going to name names. But I asked this one OC. I said, man, when you're going into a game against Aaron Donald, like, what's your plan? Um, he said, Marcus, I'm going to tell you a story, man. We were in the staff meet. We're getting ready to play the Rams. And head coach walks in and says, how are we going to take care of 99? His answer to the head coach was, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there is no plan. You just hope that he missing. Like, there's no plan. You know what? And I think this kind of gets to the answer because Aaron Donald was also, like, another three-star recruit. Like, Mahomes was the three-star recruit. And Donald, I want to say, was, like, the 14th pick or something like yeah. that in spite of that incredible production that he had at Pitt. And I think it might be the same thing with him and Mahomes where sometimes you look at a dude and he's that good, but there's just one box that doesn't check or whatever. And you're like, well, how long can he keep it up? And then Aaron Donald got to the league It was like, Forever. forever. I can keep this up forever. <laughs> I'm going I am to be in the conversation for the best ever. Right. I am crazy and I'm crazy athletic. <laughs> I can do this forever. And that's with Mahomes. You'd be like, well, I mean, he can't do that again once he gets to the next place, can he? Uh, yeah. I was like, Zion, well, he's not going to. I mean, yeah, he did that against the little short white kids in high school. He's not going to do that in college. And then he did. Well, he's not going to be able to do that to me. And then he did. And that's the yeah. same thing with Mahomes. Well, was that a game we threw for like 750 yards against Oklahoma? Bro. He he might throw for seven hundred fifty yards in the NFL game. <laughs> like we don't know, and that's the beauty of it. We don't. This dude might have a better season next year. Like think about that. He we were comparing. I remember we were on Get Up, and we was talking about this. And Greeny brought up like, what is it gonna take for Patrick Mahomes to like top? Because you know he had that fifty two touchdown mm -hmm. here when he won the MVP. He's like, what is it gonna take to top that? I said fifty three, and he'll probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, I don't know what the stats are. What's the stats, Mo? Let me look it up right quick. Let me let me look at Pat Mahomes right now. Give me one second. Oh yeah, Pat Mahomes stats. All right, all right. So let's let me see. Okay, so Pat Mahomes to date. What are we in the twenty twenty two season? Mm -hmm. He's thrown for five thousand two hundred fifty yards. He's thrown 41 touchdowns, 12 picks, okay? He has 105 QBR. And we are literally sitting here. This man been in the league. So, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. But money. Pat Mahomes has been in the league six years. The man has thrown for 24,000 yards. He's thrown 192 touchdowns. To 49 interceptions and 105 QBR. What are we talking about? <laughs> what, a, bro? Like Tom Brady in his what 20th year? Yes. So let's just say that he identically matches the next six years. He'd be at 50,000. That's year 12 and 380 touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> and we gonna sit here and talk about other people in the MVP conversation. Yeah, they might be people a year in, year out win the MVP. But when 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 something like this happening, let's just honor it. We can honor it. We should be better. <laughs> we should be good enough to honor that and be like, you know what? Okay, guys, listen. I know Jalen Hurts played well. I know Josh Allen played well. I know Burrow came on late. We got other dudes at other positions, but it's a quarterback trophy. It's Patrick Mahomes. And if he don't get it at these damn awards, I'm boycotting. Yeah, until he don't want it no more. Like, yeah, it's got to say, I don't want it. 
or name that mug Patrick Mahomes award. <laughs> I love you, bro. Dude, Marcus Spears, you can check him out all over our various ESPN platforms. We're going to figure out how to get him on Game Theory in the chair yes, hanging sir. out with your boy. We're going to get that right. Hey, man, I know you've been running all day getting all this done, man, so I greatly appreciate you. By the way, the Chiefs, as I'm looking at this, in game started by Patrick Mahomes, are 64 and 16. Oh, my God, bro. So, man, bye, bro. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes for MVP. I'm going to get a shirt made. <laughs> man. Love, bro. Hey, man, I appreciate you. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Uh, Dan Stancic and Parker Owens handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.